Hey, grab your message notes. We are kicking off a new series. You can see by the title slide, Running with Giants, Running with Giants. And we're talking about the reality that we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, of giants of the faith that we're not walking alone. And it, sometimes I think it's so easy to feel like we're kind of all alone on the race. And I just want to encourage you through this series, through the month of July, that you can win the race that God's called you to run. That you're not going to be defeated, but you're a victor in Jesus' name. That you're not the first person to run, and you're not going to be the last. That God's going to use you to encourage another generation to do something great for God. And Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 is going to be our theme scripture for this series. And it just simply says this. And it gives us a picture of heaven that I think is just fascinating to think about. I think it's been so encouraging to me preparing for this. But here's what heaven is described as in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1. It says this. Since we are surrounded. Could you say this? Surrounded. Man, I guess that's our theme today. Being surrounded, right? We think we're surrounded by the enemy. No, we're surrounded by God, but also we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. So if you could imagine what heaven would look like, there would be this huge arena full of witnesses. I brought a picture um, to, to kind of illustrate this in my mind's eyes. I was thinking about this. I was trying to find a picture of an arena. And if you could imagine that we're running a race but we're surrounded by saints of God that have lived on before. That we have, if you've ever wondered if your loved ones and friends that have went on to be with Jesus in heaven, if you've ever wondered if they can look down on you and see what race you're running, this scripture says emphatically so. That we're surrounded by friends, family. Uh, I have a grandfather in heaven that is cheering me on. And I just want you to think about that. You're not going to be defeated. You're, you're being cheered on by saints of God that have went on before you. You're going to make it. And not just our loved ones, but there are people throughout the scripture that to me serve as guideposts and words of encouragement to be able to make it through life. So if you could imagine in heaven, there's this huge arena of the saints that are cheering us on what would happen, and this is the concept of this series, what would happen if we were able to run a lap with one of these great heroes? What would it be like if we could take a hero, someone who had ran the race, what would it be like if we could run a lap with them? And what would they say to us? The scripture goes on to say, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. So what would they say? What would they speak to us? What would be their word of encouragement? It's funny the verse that we that I mentioned during our worship was from 2 Kings and it's the story of a man named Elisha. And that's exactly who we're going to be talking about today, Elisha the prophet. And if Elisha could come down out of the stands and talk to us for a little bit, what would he Say, Elisha was the protege um, of the prophet Elijah. And God used Elisha's life to do incredible things. As a matter of fact, he did twice the miracles, or he, was, he saw twice the miracles that his mentor Elijah saw. He saw 28 recorded miracles in his lifetime, and his mentor Elijah saw 14. 
And Elisha's life was this incredible life of faith and God did such awesome things through him. But here's the thing that is inspiring to me is that much of his life had to do with the word that none of us like very much. And it's the word waiting, <laughs> waiting. How many would say, I do not like to wait? I do not like to wait. Like if I go to a restaurant and there's a wait, I'm not going to that restaurant. Like, like we are in such a Netflix society and TiVo society that if we don't like something, we just fast forward through it. Don't you wish that there was a TiVo for life that when you're going through a situation that you don't like, you just skip this, you know, fast forward through that situation, but there's not. Most of Elisha's life, if you were to look at him in, in the vast majority of his years, it looked like it was wasted. And maybe you're here today and you feel like you've wasted some years. Can I encourage you to let you know that the years that you feel like you've wasted, it, could it be that God can take those years and redeem them for something great? That your past and, 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 and what you've done, see all those things come in your mind that, 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 that disqualifies you. But could it be that that's the very thing that God's using, that God's wanting to use in your life? Uh, Elijah, Elisha was, a, was someone who, uh, the, the scripture says that he would plow with teams of oxen. So I want to show you what the vast majority of, when we think prophet of God, what do we think? We think of someone standing on the sea. Looking in the face of kings, declaring great things over the, over the earth. Now, I want to show you the vast majority of the life of the great prophet Elisha. Here's a picture of what he saw most days. <laughs> there you go. The behind side of two oxen. How many knows you got to watch where you step when you're following behind two oxen? And maybe you feel like, you can identify with Elisha's life that you're just trotting through uh, things that are not very admirable. You don't think you're doing something of great significance. But God took this man that in the mundane of life that if you would have asked him, do you feel like you're going to do something great? He would say, no, I just, it just smells out here. And, and if you're in those seasons of life when you're behind the oxen, and I, I dare say every season has aspects of this, what I've learned is that at all times I have something to laugh about and at all times I have something to rejoice about, I mean, to, to cry about. At all times I have something that I can be upset about or I can see something good in every single bit of it. And in the middle of these type of seasons, in the middle of following uh, the, these oxen, in the middle of the, of the seasons where it looks like nothing's really happening in our lives, God, I believe through stories like Elisha's story, if he could run with us, he would simply say this. When you feel like you're insignificant, and when you feel like you're not doing anything that's very important right now, that's the most important decision you'll ever make in the waiting. And so if you're taking notes, here's the big idea that I think Elisha's life would tell us is simply this. If you wonder if your life counts, give your best wherever God puts you. Hope to set somebody free today. That... It's easy to not see ourselves correctly. We feel like we're living insignificant lives, and the truth is we're not. We, we feel like we're doing things that, are, that, that doesn't really matter, and, and it doesn't appear on the outside yet, but those are the most important times. As you know, we have a one-month-old at home, and for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, no one could tell that, that my wife was pregnant. But there was something powerful and important happening on the inside where nobody could see. Well, it took nine months, and now we have the fruition of that. And he keeps us up at night, but we love him anyway. <laughs> but in the middle of that, 
See, we want to circumvent the process, don't we? We want to TiVo to the future. But, I don't, but for my baby, we ran into some complications a couple months out. And the doctors did everything they could do to make sure we didn't circumvent the process. Do you realize in the process that God is making sure that everything on the inside is growing to the outside in the right way? So don't be distracted when it looks like nothing's happening. I think that's what Elisha would tell us along the way. Because while you're waiting, God is watching. While you are waiting, God's eyes are on you. He's looking at your attitude. He's looking at how you're treating people. He's looking at how you're growing in your relationship with God. And I think Elisha would give us... Some words of advice. We're going to look in Elisha's story about how he was called. And then we're going to look at a miracle story that God did through his life. And we're, we're, we're just going to run with the giant for a little bit. I think here's the first thing Elisha would say is simply this. Give your best in obscurity and God will reward it. He said, I felt like what I was doing was obscure. I felt like I was just in the stinky oxen. I felt like nobody was seeing me for years and years and years. I had this dream that I was going to do something great for God. But I felt like I was in a field all by myself. And nobody was giving me accolades. Nobody was saying that I was doing something great. But I think he would say in hindsight, just keep on running. Because if you give your best to God in the, the obscure times of life, God says, I'll reward you. In God, the concept of the secret place is very powerful. That God is not as much interested in what your public persona is as much as he is what, your, what it looks like, what your life looks like in the secret place. Because God has the ability to exalt like man could never exalt. God has the ability to bless you like no man could ever bless you. And when you get in the secret place with God, when you learn to pray in the secret place, when you learn to be on, on your bed at night and in the dark of the night when nobody sees you and in that place you say, God, I need you. God, I need your presence. God, I need your grace. Not so much in the public place. That's a wonderful thing. But God says, can you worship me in the, in the place where nobody sees you? The scripture says when you pray, go find a closet somewhere. In other words, shut the door. And in that secret place, in the obscurity, that's where great men and women of God are made. See, when you get on your knees, uh, I heard uh, Charles Stanley, a great pastor, simply say this, that when a man on his knees can never fall from that position. And in the secret place. In other words, when you're down on your knees with God, that's the highest place you'll ever be. When you're in that place where nobody knows and nobody sees, could I encourage somebody? God sees you. Maybe there's somebody in this place that you've been asking God for things and you just don't even feel like your prayers are reaching the ceiling. Can I encourage you here today? God's heard you and God's already brought the miracle that's about to happen in your life. Just keep on trusting Him in the secret place. He said, I, I felt like I was doing nothing. He says, in verse 19 of 1 Kings 19, he says, I was, he was plowing a field. He was with 12 teams of oxen in the field. And Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak against his shoulders, and then he walked away. So the great prophet Elijah, this would have been a household name in Israel. It, would, it, it was as if one of the most famous and popular people in Israel took his cloak and said, hey, you're going to be the next me. You're going to be the capital P prophet. And, 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 and God notices him right where he is. But the second thing that happens in Elisha's story, first of all, he's noticed by God. And when he feels like nobody's noticing him, the second thing is 
that he would say to us in our lives is simply this. Give your best in small things and God will give you bigger things to do. See, if, 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 Eli, if Elisha was anything like me, man, when that mantle came on his life, he's like, well, praise God. It's time to preach somebody. It's time to give, give me the prophet, like give me the prophet's pulpit. Like I'm ready to go. I've been waiting my whole life for this. But he doesn't do anything like he thought it would happen. That there was a huge expectation gap between his calling and the fulfillment of his calling. And if I could say this, that's the same way in all of our lives. That, that the expectations can get in the way where we think, man, it, it, to, to, to fulfill the calling in our lives, it means we're, we're in charge, we're in control, and really what it means to the complete opposite. And we see that in Elisha's story. His, here was his great job. So he left a very successful business. He had 12 teams of oxen. Most people would have one. He left a successful business, and, and here's what he did. Great, here's his great role. Verse, 2 Kings 3.11 describes him. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Dun, dun, dun. Like that was all he did. He cleaned a guy's hands for 10 years. Undoubtedly had to think, seriously? Like, I left my hopes and dreams for this? I left my hopes and dreams to do this small thing? You see, it's really the small things in life that are the bridge to the bigger things that God wants to do. I just want to encourage somebody. God sees you. Don't despise the day of small things. I was laughing thinking about this because when I first felt called to the ministry, when I grew up, we called it being called to preach. I'm called to preach. And I remember telling my pastor, Pastor, I feel called to preach. So in my mind, I thought, well, do you want me to preach Sunday morning? Or do you want me to preach Sunday night? Do you want me to wear the wireless microphone thingy? Or do you want me to use the real one with the handheld? He said, oh, that's so good. He said, well, could you help me pick up trash around here and... We got a bus that needs to be cleaned, and, and, and we, we got a bus route that we need to pick up some more kids for church. And I, I, I said in my heart, you know, no, 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 no. You didn't understand me. I feel called to preach. And he understood something that I had no clue of, that God was more interested in doing a work in me than he ever was doing a work through me. And for years, I felt like I had no opportunity I was doing menial things like cleaning toilets. I think, I, seriously, I gave up on the dream that I had and the, the career path that I was to clean toilets. Seriously, that was like the grand plan that you had, God. Like, I could be used for something much more important than this. But all the while, while I was waiting, God was watching. While I was waiting, God was watching. Whatever you're in the middle of right now that looks small, God's watching you. Give your all to the small. Give your all to what you have to do. Don't wait for some grand opportunity to do and give your best. You give your best to the job that you don't like. You give your best to the marriage that's on the rocks. You give your best to the, to the school that you're not interested in. Like that you, you didn't really, it wasn't your first choice. You give your best and trust God with the rest. Like, 
give your best. I remember one time my pastor, we had bought a, uh, the church had bought this house that we were going to use to house missionaries in whenever they would be traveling through. And it was about five minutes from the church. And it was, I mean, it was a nice home, but it was, had been foreclosed on and people had just taken everything out whenever they had went, left it in a terrible shape. One of the worst things about it is they had taken trash. I don't know how many years or months that they had literally thrown baby diapers and trash underneath the cross face of the house for it looked like over a year. And uh, I remember a uh, pastor uh, came to me and said, hey, could you get a team of people and you, could you guys go uh, clean up that, you know, the trash from under the house? And I was like, well, that's, that's not my calling. <laughs> like, I, I don't really feel called to that. But we did it and took three days and cleaned out that just terrible place. And the amazing thing about that was I, n- I never realized I was planning to go off to Bible college and I never thought that I would be asked to stay, and I ended up being the youth pastor at that church for seven years, the church I grew up in, and I lived in an apartment that was in the, in the, there on the church property, just a one-room apartment, and when Kara and I got engaged a couple weeks before we got married, my pastor came to me, and he said, hey, remember that missionary house? He said, I was wondering, he said, uh, would you guys be interested in, in living on that for your first home? And I was like, in the name of Jesus. It hit me one day that the very place that I cleaned the trash out of became the place I brought my bride home to. That if I would have had the wrong attitude about the trash, I would have never got the opportunity and the blessing that God had for me in the future. Church, see the small and honor God. And and one of the ways we see the small is to treat people the right way. Like there's no such thing as a nobody. Nobody is a nobody. Like from the person that's working the most menial job that you can imagine. That person is created by God and has a plan and purpose by God. God does not make junk. God creates, God puts value in every single person. And many times when we treat people as throwaway people, many times we are burning the bridge to our own destiny. Because the way that God's going to bless your life is through people. The way that God's going to bless you is through the way that you treat people and the way that you treat every single person with dignity and the value that God has on their life because there's no such thing as something small as long as God is watching you. You're doing and living your life for an audience of one. So give your best to the small things. Jesus said this, whoever can be trusted with little can be trusted with much. Trusted. Can you be trusted I know you don't like it, but can you be trusted? I know it's not a good season right now, but can you be trusted? Can you be trusted with the trash? Because if you're trusted with the trash, you just hold on. Someday the treasure's going to come your way. Keep on trusting God. Keep on trusting Him. And, and, and as he did this, as, as Elisha worked and strove and cleaned the dirt off of his mentor's hands and just lifted up his hands and, and did whatever he could do to make his life better. See, one of the roles that I believe we can do to achieve, one of the things that we do to achieve our dreams is we help achieve the dreams of others around us. That so many times we think, oh, I'm here to fulfill my dreams. But if we would transition to every person that we meet to say, no, my role here is to fulfill the dreams of other people. And that's what he did. He, he made, he, he just took the dirt off 
of his leader's hands. He found a need and he filled it. And he, didn't, he wasn't somebody at work that was just bringing problems. My dad taught me this, that he'd say, Son, don't ever bring your leader a problem without at least three solutions. He says, because you're there because you're a problem solver. You be a problem solver. In other words, what was he saying? Son, you pour water on the hands. You, you help. You're, you're not someone who can just... You're not someone who can just call out the negative. Anybody can call out the negative. Anybody can tell the temperature in this room. But you're called not to be a thermostat, but to be a thermometer. To change the temperature of your company. To change the temperature of your school. To change the temperature of the world around you. And as he did this, as he did this simple things, this natural thing, God started doing supernatural things in his life. As a matter of fact, here's what... Here's what he said, verse 9 of 2 Kings chapter 2. He says, When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, watch this, Tell me, what can I do before I'm taken from you? I think this, this question is so interesting because Elisha says, Hey, what can I do for you? Like, what do you want? Like, you've served, you've done what you can do, and then he says, What do you want me to do? Like, like what's, what's your dream, man? As I was studying that this week, I think the Lord's saying to all of us, what's your dream? Like, we need to dream a little bit bigger about our lives. Many times our greatest prayer request is, God, just help me get through another week. God, help me get a good parking space at Target. God, let the hot light at Krispy Kreme be on today. God, just give us traveling mercies. We pray these Prayers that are so easily accomplishable on our own. And we, in those moments, don't live the supernatural life that God wants us to live. Do you know that God invites you to dream bigger and to ask bigger? Because our job's not to do the supernatural. Our job's just to do the natural. Because watch what it goes on to say. He says, I, here's what I want. I want a double portion of your spirit. Like, what you have done, Elijah, I want God to use me to do double of that. And I love what Elijah says. He says, you have asked a hard thing. Like you have asked a very difficult thing from God. And I say, man, let that be an inspiration to us that we need to dare to ask God for difficult things. We need to have the kind of faith that we can ask God to do something that only he can do in our lives. And we ask God to do the natural things, and then God does the supernatural things in our lives. That, that, that too many times, I, don't, I believe we don't see miraculous things in our life just because we don't ask for it. Scripture says, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock, the door will be open to you. Elijah, Elisha, I love his heart. He's like, I want a double portion. And would you know the rest of his story is a complete fulfillment of that one prayer. What could God do if you asked him for the impossible? What could God do if you would dare to dream greater? I'm here today to tell someone, dream again. Believe again. Let God fill your mind with, 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 with impossible thoughts. Things that in the end of your life, it'll say, only God was able to do this. Don't pray the safe prayers. Don't pray the traveling mercies prayer. Pray those, but don't, but don't just let that be it. Pray for God to do the impossible through you because that's what He's wanting to do in and through our lives. And we see this. We, we, we see this happening in the life of Elisha. Specifically, one of my favorite of the 28 miracles that God uh, did through this man was a time where um, there was the king 
of the king of Israel, the king of Judah, and the king of Moab, that they were going together in battle. They were going to, to fight against their adversary. And as they did, they ran out of water along the way. And in this place where they didn't have water, they said, hey, we, we don't have water, but we need a man of God. Like we need the prophet in our lives. And at this moment, they said, is there anybody here that knows how to hear from God? And they said, hey, there's this guy who used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. His name's Elisha. And someone said, okay, well, get him here. We're going to talk to him about this situation happening where there is no water. And we start seeing Elisha and the way that he solves problems in his life. And I think he would give us some encouragement about what he does. I love what he did whenever the, the world around him ran out of water. It said, he said this in 2 Kings 3.15. But now bring me a harpist. Harpist. We don't have many of those. A harpist. We're going to take it into 2018. Bring me a keyboard. Bring me that electric guitar. He says, and while the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came on Elisha. So in your life, I think Elisha would say, when you're in dry seasons, when you don't know what the answer is, when you don't know what to do, I think here's what he would say. I think the first thing he would tell us is learn to cultivate the presence of God in your life. Learn to cultivate the presence of God. In his, I, I love his response. They said, hey, we need water. And he said, no, we need worship. <laughs> no, no, no. You don't, what's the deal? Why's he getting that keyboard player up there? We don't need a keyboard player. We need some water. Call down the water. He said, no, you don't need water. You need the worship. And especially if you have been involved in Christian just religion, that it's so easy to just, it's so easy to miss the presence of God, it's so easy to miss the worship, and you just want the water. What I've learned in my life, many times I miss the will of God by 18 inches, the difference between my head and my heart. That Jesus doesn't just want to have a head religion with you, he wants to have a heart relationship with you, and that's cultivated in the presence of God. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're dealing with, but, but I do know this. The answer is in the presence of God. The answer is not in your might, not in your power. The answer is in the presence of God. And as you, as you worship, that's why here at City Hills, we are a church that build. we're a, a worship culture here. We are a worshiping church. Why? Not just because we like music, but because as we worship, you can feel it. God does miraculous things as we worship Him. That God does miraculous things in His presence. The scripture says is fullness of joy. That it's not just in three points, a sermon, and just a couple songs. But if somehow, some way, in the time that we have together, my prayer is that the presence of God would be manifest in this place. And as His presence is here, God speaks to us. And this isn't just something for church. This is something for everyday life. I, I dare you in the impossibility of your life to... To, to, to put a little, get a little harpist in your car every once in a while. Instead of listening to the negativity of the news, put a harpist on. And as you drive down the road, say, I worship you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you anoint me today? See, even just saying those words, can't you feel it? You just invite God into your life, into your situation, and he will be there. The scripture says that Jesus is as close as the mention of his name. So mention it. 
So cry out to him. Find places of his presence. Find a closet and a place in the secret place. And, and learn, Elisha would say to us, learn to develop that intimacy with God. Just wait in his presence. Let God speak to you. Don't just have a head religion where you can just quote the verse, but have a heart where you know the author. See, there's a difference in reading the book and meeting the author. God says, I don't want you to just read my stories. I want you to read my stories, but I want you to know my heart. And that happens in the presence of the Lord. The scripture says this, that the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. That's simply to say that if it's just all in your head, it's never going to be the life that God had prepared and God had planned for. It's in the heart. See, even at the end of this service, we're going to worship and we have a response time. And the most, that, that's the most powerful time that we gather because I believe that's the time where the Holy Spirit begins to speak to our hearts if you'll let him. So I don't know what your experience, maybe you're brand new at Christianity, maybe it's your first time at City Hills. Give God some room to move in your life, I think Elisha would say. Because in those moments, God gives you visions. In those moments, God gives you dreams. And it was a day of prayer and fasting where God gave me the dream to move from Orlando to, to Knoxville. It's in, the, in, in His presence where God gives directions. In, in God's presence where we do what God, where we, where we see and hear the heart of God. And then He says the most interesting thing of what, what they need to do next. He said, here's what you need to do. After we got the presence of God, he says, make this valley full of ditches. So they don't have any water. All they have is this huge valley. And he says this, make it full of ditches. So here's the second thing. At some point, I believe Elisha would say, you got to wake up and do something. At some point, you have to wake up and do something. See, the valley was empty. The valley had no water in it. And he said, here's the deal. We're not just going to believe God for something. We're going so we're to we're give him some space to move in our lives. You see, God wants us to go from being inspired, inspiration, to participation. Like, get involved with something. That's why I love Serve Day. This is a great opportunity for Serve Day. And then right after our second service today at 1230, we have Next Steps. And that's just a way to jump on board. And we'll feed you. And it's a great way to hear the vision of the church. But more than anything, it's our heart to help you jump into the calling that God has on your life. Because when you start digging ditches, God starts filling it with his miraculous power. You see, it's easy to dream it. But my question is, can you dig it? Oh, that's good. Hit your neighbor and say, can you dig it? I know you can dream it, but can you dig it? I know you dream about the family. Can you dig it out? I know you dream about God using you to do something great. Can you dig it out? I know you dream about a godly business. Can you dig it out? It's the digging that makes the difference in our lives. See, the will of God many times, it looks, looks less like a magic fairy wand. It looks a lot more like a shovel. Like it's in the digging it's in the daily digging that God starts doing a work in and through our lives. And, 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 and that's exactly what started happening in, in his life. And watch this. It says this. For here's what the Lord says. I love how God works. And Elisha, I believe, would say, hey, understand how God works. As you're digging, let this be encouragement to you. You're not going to see wind or rain. In other words, while you're digging and working and striving and sweat's coming down your brow, you're not going to see nothing happening. Let me encourage somebody. You've been digging and nothing's happening. You, you, you're, you're digging. You've been digging for a long time and nothing's happening. God says, don't be surprised because this valley's still going to be filled with water. He says, you and your cattle and your other animals, they're going to drink. And he says, and just so you know, this is an easy thing for God. 
Like, this is just easy in the eyes of the Lord. And he's going to hand Moab over to you. Just because you don't see anything doesn't mean God's not working in your life. And here's the third and final encouragement I think Elisha would give us is don't base your life on the seen, but base it on the unseen. Because the scripture says what's seen is temporary, but what's unseen, that's eternal. Elisha would say, don't give up. You in a waiting season right now? Don't give up. Are you in a changing season in your life? Don't give up. Keep on running. Keep on striving. Keep on trusting God. You just keep on digging. You dig it. You dig it. Let that be your word for the week. Dig it. Can you dig it? It's time to wake up and not just dream it. It's time to wake up and dig it. It's time to dig out that relationship. It's time to dig out that calling. It's time to get that shovel in our hands and say, God, I'm going to trust you. And Elisha would say, I never would imagine. I went from seeing the backs of those oxen, monotony, to seeing the miraculous power in my life 28 times. What a God we serve. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord, I just want to pray for these amazing people, Lord, that are in your house today, God. I pray specifically for those that are in waiting seasons feel like they're in difficult seasons of their lives, difficult seasons with their family, difficult seasons with their, maybe their finances or their career right now, or maybe even their faith. This has been a difficult season. Lord, let the giants of faith, or let men like Elisha bring encouragement to those in the house today to let them know you just keep on running because God's watching. You keep on waiting with honor, you keep on doing the right thing. You keep on putting one foot in front of the other and God's going to be faithful. Lord, I pray for those that have questions and doubts and, and fear and anxiety about tomorrow. God, I pray that you would give them a confidence or that you're watching them every step of the way. There's not one moment that they're alone. They are never forsaken. Lord, that your promise will be fulfilled. Everything that you promise will be fulfilled. And we thank you and we trust you. If you're here today and you need to give your life to Jesus Christ, you're here and God's doing something in your life and you've been, maybe it's the seen things that have just, all the things you see. You say, it's getting my focus totally off of God. And if you were honest, you'd say, I'm, I'm in control of my own life. Nobody knows that but you. And today... I invite you to release control and trust the God who is in control. Give your life, your family, your future to Him. Not to come to God to get something from God, but just to get God, His presence. That's where the difference is made. I want to pray for you if that's you today. You're ready for a fresh start. Maybe the first time or the first time in a long time. I invite you to just pray with me today. Just say, Jesus, you're the only one that can save me. So right now, would you save me? I give my life to you. I give my past to you. I give all of me. I trust you. Be my Lord. I will follow you tired of doing things my own way 
be my God. I'll follow you. I need you, Lord. I receive your grace today. In Jesus' name. Amen.